What's up, guys? Welcome to episode 211, Tridecophobia. You're listening to Adam Air MD GED, uh, Underground Cartoon Therapy. You think you know about the number 13, dude? So do we. <laughs> We'll see how close we get, huh? I don't know. Well, we think we know something about it, too, but we'll see how much we think we know. Who's we? Me and Grandma Gutterpunk get back together again to bring you only the best in underground entertainment with our good special guest and good friend returning to the show, Jim Oljula, one of the best, awesome horror special effects artists out there in Los Angeles. He's worked for the House of Troma. He's done Marvel. He's done all kinds of shit. You guys can go fucking look it up. We're going to do a little bit of a portfolio review with him. And then uh, that goes all the way back to the uh, episode, Hey Public Access This, which uh, came out of season one. So Jim's been with us for the whole fucking time, man. He's been a fucking totally uh, supportive good dude, man. And I owe him a set of uh, monster cereal eraser toppers. That I'm planning on sending off here at the beginning of October. Thank fuck it's October, man. My mom's a big Toxic Avenger fan. Well, Jimmy happened to work on Toxic Avenger 4. Citizen Toxie. Poultrygeist. A few other fucking horrific motherfuckers. My mom gets to show off her knowledge. And a drug, in, a specific drug-induced phase. <laughs> oh, you know my mom and those uh, drug-induced phases. This episode's being smoked to you by some fucking resin, but it's good resin. I'm fucking getting pretty baked off this shit. And uh, I had some Wolf Burgers tonight, and that was pretty good. No, I didn't actually eat wolf. Actually, this uh, episode connects to another episode that Jimmy did with us called A Serial Killer in the Family. Got him in a little bit of trouble. We're going to talk about it tonight. He does open up about it. Harvey the Hammer Corrigan. Hopefully I said that right. If I didn't, you'll hear it. (laughs) guy's 95 years old sitting in fucking prison and he's not gonna get out do you know who you are? this show does make some kind of fucking logical sense on some level (coughs) my mom brings it all together stay till the end of the show and if you got a show we give the details you know that Fuck yeah. Super Tramp, man. Breakfast in America, the logical song. So 
sometimes you hear these things when you're a kid and you're like, yep. Hope you like this song, Jimmy. Anyway, thank you for joining us. <laughs> Got some more episodes coming up. Ouija board deactivators coming up. The fucking... Some more, some more treats. I'm going to save it. I don't want to blow it. It'll be cool. Alright guys, let's get this motherfucker rolling. You know the fucking drill. We'll be right back. Brought to you by Pell Mell Famous Cigarettes. Over, under, around, and through. Pell Mell travels pleasure to you.
Jupiter, we're back! Holy shit, do I have Jim Oldula and Grandma Gutterpunk on the fucking same show? <laughs> what the hell? I know, I thought it was crazy when uh, Mike Diana got on with my mom too, man. But I was like, <laughs> well, we've been wanting this one for a while, and then I ended up losing my cool on Jimmy. And you know, I'm sorry about that. I'm I'm not too big of a of a dick to be like, hey, I I get you know I get fucked up on these shows, Jim. Sometime, man. I get it. I get it. As long as you, as long as you you know, in a proper amount of time, confront somebody and talk it out, you know, you can squash that shit. Now that's the kind of attitude that we all could do better having, right, Mom? Oh, definitely, especially everybody with. PTSD because we fly off the handle in a New York section. Oh yeah, man. If you guys uh, haven't heard it, go back and listen to the episode with Jim. Uh, hey, public access this from the first season, where Jim gets on and talks about uh, your beginnings from Duluth. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah it, my three scums. My three scums. Which is awesome, by the way. If you guys need to go fucking check that shit out, that's amazing. And Jim's got a long-ass history with working with uh, some of the coolest shit that if you're listening to this show, you're probably familiar with Jim's work. <laughs> and that's how I'm going to put it. Um, you agree, Jim? Uh, yeah, probably. Now, I was... Uh, what are you working on right now? Are you still on Strange Nature? Or uh, what are you doing? No, that's... That's out in the world. That's out on uh, Amazon and uh, Tubi and Nextella. And then also our new movie, Crowd, um, which is amazing. That's, that's launching um, towards the end of October, and that'll be available everywhere. And that's like literally like Gremlins meets Aliens meets Godzilla. And it's oh, amazing. It's that like sounds awesome. Oh, it's awesome. It's the dream job revolving around mutant horseshoe crabs and what they do when they invade a small town. Mutant horseshoe crabs, I love it! <laughs> it's so much, so much. Oh, you got mutant Gila monsters and nuclear tarantulas. Exactly, I mean, why it's been not? a while, you know? Why not? Mutated horseshoe crabs. Absolutely. Well, I'm glad that you're just out there working, and, uh, and that we've been in touch. I um, I've always like thought that you're you're you know the way you came out of it was a lot like how a lot of guys, you know, men and women who want to follow into the footsteps of cult. But it really is the one thing that we cover on that first episode was it. It's the work application, right? And like how yeah, much I mean, you know. Go ahead. Totally. Like talent, like honestly, like talent is, is cheap. There's plenty of talent out there. It really matters very little. It, it all comes down to your ambition and your drive and your work ethic. Like that's, yeah. that's who determines who gets left behind. Whether you're willing to put the hours in. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, my first movie, you know, 
Toxic Avenger Part 4. Like, I murdered myself. 20-hour days, six-day week. Um, but it was like, it was because I was a fan, and I knew it was going to lead to something more, and it did. Yeah, totally, dude. You know, and you're not just, you know, Lloyd wasn't, Lloyd Kaufman wasn't just letting anybody in trauma. You know, and uh, yeah. you, no, he, he there was a lot of submissions, yeah, coming in. Yeah. You uh, definitely stood up above the rest and uh you know citizen what is that citizen toxy is yeah, that citizen toxy, yeah. <laughs> mom you remember that one he's so cool i got all the great nieces and nephews watching him oh that's awesome <laughs> you have to cover their eyes in certain parts but absolutely yeah <laughs> that's the hard r that's the hard r hey they're witchy kids they've seen their parents running around naked and they know what animals do so okay well they're they're off to a good start yeah yeah they're they're still a ways away from traumaville mom you know what I'm saying? You gotta remember that shit's fucked up. Well, that's the best time to tell it to them when they don't understand all the good parts, but you can enjoy it too. You know, I, I didn't bring it up in that first episode. I'll say it again. That way you can both be happy. The kid's happy watching Toxie, and you're happy too. Yeah, yeah no, that's the best. I mean, Toxic, the first Toxic Avenger was one of like the. Um, the bonding movies that I had with my mom actually growing up because like I was into it because of you know what it was and she actually she actually understood like the charm in Toxie and she like you would never think like because our other bonding movie was Sister with Love you know yeah like, there was something in Toxic Avengers she found charming and we could actually watch that together and that's amazing I love that yeah. no that's how me and my mom are we got these like fucked up movies. We find they kind of bond us, you know. These. Ah! Hey, yeah, that's what I did, Jimmy. Because I'm a nine zero two one zero fan, okay? And I fucking love. Hey, I mean, I, I get it. I. You know, Aaron Spelling. Ah! I won't. Yeah, Dustin Diamond. But uh. <laughs> But uh, <laughs> enjoy the mod squad marathon. <laughs> I I made my mom watch season four and five of nine hundred two one zero. By the way, oh that's that's awesome. You know, I, I was just in uh, North Carolina on a movie, and we were stuck in a trailer for a while waiting for our scene to come up, and we're watching like local cable and Hogan's Heroes. And I never grew up with Hogan's Heroes. Like, I knew of it, but I'm just trying to put it together. I'm like, what the hell is going on? I was like, are the Nazis the good guys? Or the Nazis friends with the American soldiers? Like, I, I couldn't understand what was going on in that show. It really is kind of a confusing, like, setting, too, you know? And Oh, it's, oh, it's bizarre. Yeah. They're, like, kind of just goofing around, but, like... Like, aren't the Nazis the bad guys? Like, don't don't you hate them? Like, you're just like kind of goofing around with them, you know. I liked, uh, you know, Colonel Clink and then uh, Schultz, you know, and I thought they were like the yeah. classic, like you know, just the classic uh, dumb cuffs, I guess. If you were gonna, totally. you know, <laughs> I 
mean, it's, it's perfect. I, in fact, I, I, I recently heard that the actor that played Colonel Clink, when he was offered the role, because he's a Jewish <laughs> actor, um, he, he, he said the only way he would do the role is if he could make him a total buffoon. Like, you could never, ever be serious whatsoever, or he wouldn't do the role. So as a Jewish man, being able to play a stupid Nazi was actually really appealing to him, but it had to stay really dumb, you know? Yeah, that was the only condition, yeah. There couldn't be, like, any of this reality. I didn't want to criticize my whole Jewish community. Yeah, the realities and the horrors, like, really aren't being displayed, obviously, in there, or... What these, you know, these guys are, were really capable of doing, you know. Right, for sure. Yeah. Hogan's Heroes. No, that was, uh, what was the guy's, uh, the lead's name on there? Uh, you guys can, you guys can go, uh, look it up. Hogan's Heroes. And he played alongside Rich, Richard Dawson, but both of them were making porno movies. Yeah. That's right. Was that Bob Crane? Or? Bob Crane. Yeah. From Texas. Right. Yep. He's out of some Texas trailer park. He, you know? You better quit while you're still ahead or got one on your shoulder. Uh, ah! Don't talk shit about Texas. But, you know, Bob, Bob, Bob Crane coming out of, like, uh, somewhere out of, out of East Austin or some shit like that. Here, give me one second. Where we say keep on weird. Yep, keeping coming out of there or somewhere around there, San Antonio. But he was just some trailer park dude, and uh, who happened to just sell drugs to Richard Dawson or whatever. And I think that's how he got in. In a wild, yeah, the guy has a lot of charisma, you know. He does, and I think you know Bob Crane or uh, Richard Dawson saw it, and I think Richard Dawson's the senior actor, but was able to give Bob the role because he really, you know, led it. And when you watch those Hogan's Heroes, man, it they are something. I mean, it's like, they don't make shit like that anymore. They can't even write that kind of no. crap, you know? No, not at all. No, it's all making fun of the Nazis and hoodwinking them and pulling shit over on them and smuggling shit. And now can- cancel culture would be like, oh my God, we gotta get, th-. you know, it's like, mmm. Well, you just couldn't, you even have the visual of a swastika. It was just it, so many people be triggered. It wouldn't even matter what the context is, you know. It totally would. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't. You know, there's that kind of like weirdo stigma. You know, um, that uh, is obvious on one end, but you know, we gotta go back to its original Indian roots, man. And those are chakra point yeah. openings. You know, that's really what those. Are you know? Yeah, exactly. And Indians, the Irish. I mean, yeah. Doesn't have anything to do with Mein Kampf or you know killing Jews yeah, or exactly. anybody. You know. Cycle of life. You know. Yeah. But um, yep. Yeah, Hogan's Heroes and then Bob Crane. Now remember the scandal. Now remember it kind of got on Entertainment Tonight a little. And those were that was when the rumors were coming out about Richard Dawson having banged every chick that was ever on Family Feud. You ever heard that shit, Mom? Not only that, they were talking about his days on laughing, too. Oh, yeah. Sock it to me. (laughs) (laughs) No, man. 
Good. I think there was a movie made. Wasn't there a movie made like in the in the two thousands um, about uh, where um, what's his face Sam Rockwell? Doesn't he play him? And it was, I, I thought there was like a kind of a biopic about of all that scandal. You know what it did? There was, and I'm not sure what the name of it was, but you know how I remember it was. That was the same year they released that uh, Charlie Sheen, Emilio Estevez as the Mitchell brothers out of San Francisco, uh, oh, really? making the Green Door movie, and how uh, oh, right, right. you know behind yeah. the Green Door. Totally. Yep. Yep. And that's another cult fucking class. You ever seen that porno, Mom? Behind the Green Door. It's all psychedelic yeah. and weird. Yes, I have. That's the Mitchell mm-hmm. brothers. Those guys were corrupt too, man. Yeah. Because I I remember the the way they show uh, Charlie Sheen playing the one Mitchell brother, like calling his brother and calling his mom and being like, "Fuck you! I'm gonna fucking kill you, motherfuckers!" And, da, 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 da. and Emilio Estevez being the one brother who had to go and just put the motherfucker down. I guess. I mean, yeah. You know, that was wild. That was wild. Those are things in history that are, and and in in some irony, you know, all three of us uh, do this like patronage and like cult entertainment, you know, and like, because my mom's done it, she's still hustling and all this other shit out there in New Orleans, you know, and she sees all that stuff, but, you know. I thought the original theme of this show was going to be probably based around the fear of the number 13. Right. And I was like, well, instead of asking these, like, Q&As or whatever, you know, but uh, 13, uh, having some kind of relevance with uh, the first day of fall today, even though it's not the 13th, you know, it's like this weird, you know, like... Things change. I don't know what it looks like in L.A. today, but can you feel the first day of fall today? Um, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's been cooling off over the last week. Actually, it's starting to heat up, so it actually feels like anti-fall today. It's uh, um, probably, probably like a week or so from now, it'll start feeling like fall more. Yeah, definitely. Like, yeah, that's what we're hearing. October 13th. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, give me a second, guys. Give me one second. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, well, you know, Triskaidekaphobia, Tridecaphobia, Teradecaphobia, and then there's a specific and name. Well, your high rises in motels don't have a 13th floor. Yep, I got a. My old drummer lives in Denver here, and there's no 13th uh, room, you know, on the second floor. Yeah, I know it's. Kind of amazing that you know this superstition is so deep, you know, into our culture that like we'll not even give an elevator floor or we'll put it on the on the button. Um, it's uh, it's kind of amazing, and it's like I, I think where all that goes back to, as far as I know, is for biblical reasons because um, they believe that Judas was because there were thirteen people at the Last Supper. And they believe Judas was the 13th guest at the table. And then he, you know, double-crosses Jesus, and then it's, you know, it, where it goes from there. So, but, but some believe it comes from that, 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 that fear of the number 13. 
you know? And then there was like, uh, I remember the uh, Apollo 13 incident. Exactly. Like, kind of called it. And we called it that, you know? Yep, and uh, so there's a few things. I really didn't do any kind of, like, studying on it, but I encourage people to go out there and, you know, uh, if they're, if you are interested, it does have three names. Triscodecophobia, Teradecophobia, and Tridecophobia. And those would be the three... Fears of the number 13. That's about all I got on the 13, dude. I'd rather just talk about you, Jim. How's that sound? <laughs> you know, I do I do think that, um, you know, obviously that's been a, a fear in our culture and a, like kind of a superstition for a long time. But if it wasn't for the Friday 13th movie series, I think the whole thing would be far less recognized than it is. Like, I agree. Really, I think became, really put it in part of the lexicon. It is true, too, because it, it really just takes the one thing to kind of kickstart the whole fucking deal, you know, and there's usually this kind of incident, uh, specifically like a movie comes along, or some form of media, and all of a sudden a terminology comes around. I think yep. they tried to do it with that movie Kingpin, you know, and they'd be like, uh, <laughs> the guy got munsoned. Or whatever, <laughs> but and I'll I'll still hear that sometimes. Like, oh, you got Munson. I was like, well, you saw you saw Kingpin, you know. But uh, <laughs> um, as far as thirteen, man, uh, you know, like every time, like uh, uh, I see a two thirteen, first thing that comes to my head is Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> yeah, and. Just thinking about this Milwaukee's best motherfucker uh, cooking up, you know, kids or whatever out of his fucking one bedroom. Um, whew, you know, that's fucking freaky shit. When you think about it like that and you put that kind of stigma, you know, but... Um, I, have, you started, uh, have you started watching the show at all yet? Uh, the, new, uh, the, new, the new Netflix show that just dropped. Oh, the Dahmer show? Yeah, with the with the the kid from American Horror Story playing Dahmer. Yeah, I, I saw like uh, just a little bit of it, and I felt like this is something I'm gonna want to binge watch since it's on Netflix. You know? Yeah, totally. <coughs> we just started watching it uh, last night. Started watching the first couple episodes. Oh yeah, I'm I'm, I'm in. <coughs> You're in. You're the guy, the guy. The guy that plays them, incredible. Really, uh, I mean, it's, he's he's definitely the best the best Dahmer that I've. Well, you can say some Evan, Evan Peters, Evan Peters from American Horror Story. I'm like, get every like if you've seen any of the news footage or the trial footage of the real Jeffrey Dahmer, like he gets every tick, behavior tick, his speech pattern. He's got it down to a T. I mean, it's incredible. Um, it is uh, it is cool to see it. Uh, you know, we're so far in the future to be able to see this kind of thing reenacted, you know, and, uh, you know, it's just fucking horrifying, the realities, you know, and uh, that, it, he really was this dude, you know, that did these, uh, these things like that, and, I mean, you know, it, it, you know, to see it in the form of entertainment, and I can, I know you're a special effects coordinator, you know, and, yeah. and you, you see things that 
me and my mom don't necessarily see or people who aren't working in there, you know? And uh, do you do you see that, like, them using that in this new Dahmer? Like, what's the level of, is it just moderate, kind of mild, or more on a regular kind of... It's, uh, I mean, it's very, uh, I mean, like I said, I'm only a couple episodes in, but it's so far it's being used very sparingly where they're really relying on the sense of the, the impending doom and the dread and the fear of the buildup when he gets somebody in there. And like, for instance, there's, there's a quick shot in one of the scenes where you just barely see the fridge open and people are always talking. You know, this is like a real life thing too about the smell. Yeah. You know, he would always say, oh, you know, I had some meat that went bad, or he'd always have these... Oof! But I thought, there's a quick shot where the fridge opens, and you just barely catch a glimpse of a, of a severed head in the fridge. And it's because it's used so sparing, and the head looks really good, it's super disturbing. And they don't need to go any deeper than that. You see just enough to, like, get under your skin. Oof. <laughs> you know, man. Did you ever hear how Dahmer fucking uh, bit it? Did you ever hear that, Mom? Yeah. You know what they? You did? You ever hear about that, Jim? How he died? <laughs> I mean, I, I just know that he was killed in prison. I don't know if I got any details. They stuck a fucking broom handle up his ass and fucking broke it off. Oh shit! Really? Yeah, a mop handle, actually. Oh, I've, never, I've never actually heard that detail. Yep, that was, you know, where I read that, too, was the very first, uh, I guess it was a press release that had come out when he had died. And uh, I thought it was like 94 or some shit like that, or not too long after, you know, he... Yeah, because I was still in seeing Gabriel, and I was walking the yard saying the litany for the dead for my sister Jessica. Because she had just got killed in a motorcycle accident. And the girls went inside and told everybody I was out there praying for Jeffrey Dahmer. They thought I said Jeffrey instead of Jessica. Oh, wow. They must have thought you were psycho, huh? <laughs> yeah, everybody in prison thought I was psychoer than they were. Yep, they were like, she's <laughs> praying for Dahmer, yo. And you're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Now, that is crazy. Especially in the pen. I ordered all the books of blood from the uh, State Library 1 through 13, and I just studiously read through them all. Oh, wow. Are Yo. You, uh, are, you excited? are you excited about seeing the new Hellraiser? I'm always excited about Hellraiser. There's yeah, nothing about Hellraiser that isn't exciting. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, uh, there's a whole remake coming out on Hulu. It looks pretty interesting. Um, when is that supposed to come out? Do you know when that release date is? Yeah, so I want to make sure I get that. Uh... Well, people can go look it up, though. And that's that's the running gag line on this show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know what? I think it's October 7th. Oh, yeah, the day after my birthday. I think there was a reason that Film Rise Horror and all of them had been rerunning all the old hell rises. Oh, yep, it's a whole build-up. Yep. 
Um, yeah, we were just talking about that the other day. W wouldn't it have been cool to see a night breed, Clive Barker, a uh, night breed, like animated? Because um, I always yeah, thought exactly. Nightbreed was more animated than Hellraiser, uh, but I, I thought I thought it had more of a Hanna Barbera edge, almost even. Right. Well, there's so much going on, and once you get into Berserkers and how huge and crazy they are, like yeah, totally lends itself to animation. Nightbreed right. could, could graduate into a whole franchise very easily. I think that's where it was heading, and then all of a sudden, it just kind of got nipped in the bud. Yeah, I didn't. I don't remember. I remember it was like steaming, you know, and like, hey, like people were like Nightbreed, Nightbreed, and almost for like two or three years. And then uh, they had a comic book series come out, and then all of a sudden, like a lot of things in Hollywood, as you're aware, Jim, is when things hit, when it goes deadpan, <laughs> it's fucking done, you know. Yeah, exactly. You're selling fish down the street. That fucking York, <laughs> York fish and chips, <laughs> which we, we love in LA. I don't know if you're a fish dude, but man, oh yeah, York York fish and chips is a special treat in Hollywood, Mom. Like it's a fucking, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm the fried fish addict, Mom. Uh, that's that's somewhere else. That's it's probably like a few blocks from there. Because that's over off Sunset anyway, you know? It's like the upper part near uh, Los Feliz and Wacko. Yeah, right, right, yeah. Wacko was cool, Mom. I got to, ha awesome. I got to hang out with uh, uh, Mike or uh, Mark Boone Jr. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's like, you're going to get me in trouble with my wife so fucking bad. <laughs> yeah, that was a good night. And when you hear that kind of stuff coming out of a Hollywood party, it, you know, that's, that's probably a good night. I had a few good Hollywood parties there. And, uh, ironically, a lot of the days that, um, were really awesome seem to have landed on the 13th. Now, do you guys think that's coincidence? Or is that Time Life Books? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Remember they used to say that? Coincidence or Time Life Books? <laughs> uh, well, you know, hey, we're just, uh, we're just, you know, making things. You're, what are you working on right now, Jim? Um, right now, um, I am, uh, I'm just, Worked on this music video that I'm directing, making some crazy stuff for that, and then uh, jumping into a couple projects. When I'm heading to Minnesota pretty soon here, are you? In a couple days, yeah, and then I'll be coming back um, in October, and uh, and then ramping up. Honestly, I I try to keep October pretty clear for myself. I don't want to. I, I I try not to work too much. Like that's that's my time finally. So like I've got these skills to make everything. Any kind of monster, any kind of creature, any kind of crazy blood effect, whatever, you name it. So that's my one time of year to do something fun for myself. And you've got all the industry Halloween parties and everything. So we usually start making crazy elaborate costumes in October if there's not too much work. So It's, such a, it's yeah. the best time of year, man. <laughs> it really yeah. is. And uh, I... Uh, 
I'm just excited. You know, I'm hitting the 50. I, I thought turning 50 was like kind of being like, all right, well, I'm leaving the Old Testament. I'm heading to New Testament land. And I know, I, you know how you sit back, I wish I knew the things that I did then. It's like, well, you do know them now, so just, you know, do as good as you can now, you know. And uh, exactly. I like that, you know, we've been friends for a few years now, man, and sharing uh, Hollywood experiences and, and, and things like that. And I know my mom has some questions for you that she's been wanting well, to ask. Experiences out here in Hollywood South, too. Well, here's where I'm going to let my mom have the floor, and I'm going to let her talk to you for a minute while I smoke some resin. Uh-huh. All right, hold on. Uh-huh. <laughs> Go ahead, Mom. Oh, Lord, Lord, Lord. Well, tell Jim you about your... Right? Well, you know, she's the big horror movie fan. Yeah. I bet you guys got a lot of horror movies in common that... You know, sure. You know, that and serial killer movies. I've got a collection of movies about serial killers that are as true to the fact as I can find. That's. I mean, that was that. Growing up, that was a big. uh, That was a big fascination of mine. I read a lot of books. The first. I've always been trying to figure out what made them tick. You know, what exactly turned into a serial killer. Totally. It's still hard to wrap your head around. It's, it's fascinating. Yeah. Oh, and like, and I, I grew up hearing about, well, my, my one of my favorite movies growing up was Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So, and then finding out that like, oh, one state Based over. Based on true story. Yeah. Right. There's this guy, Ed Gein, that really did some of this stuff. And I was just completely fascinated by it. You know? Up in your area too, right? That's where you were. Was exactly. he up? Exactly, he was right over, right over in Plainfield, Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah. Holy crap! And then I would talk to my grandma, and she remembers back in the fifties that when that was in the news, you know. I but, was I was lucky enough to uh, get a site run by some uh, archivists, and they had actual police photos of Gein's house and shit. Oh, really? Yeah, I saw the skin-covered lamps and the skull balls and the mess everywhere. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. that's good. Yeah, that's wild. Um, yeah, because there's, there's a few photos out there, but there's a lot of the grizzly ones of the, uh, a lot of the artifacts are, seem to be pretty, uh, pretty hard to find. Yeah, and this, this person had a mouth, you wow. know? Now, Jimmy. And it was, oh, sorry. Go all ahead, the Mom. cops standing around in them old baggy suits with their fedoras on. Right? And, like, I mean, these guys had never even heard of something like this before. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Just imagine how they were like everybody's ass. Right you could tell by the looks on their faces. They, it, they were just looking more and more incredulous. Right? I mean, 1957. It's crazy. You know? A lot of stuff hits uh, close to home, and uh, my mom wasn't recording with me yet, but if you guys go back to uh, season, uh, what was it, like two or three earlier on, we had you back the second time, and we were talking about uh, your uncle. And uh, Harvey. uh... Yep. I'll let you uh, talk a little 
because um, I know it's a sensitive subject, and uh, I appreciate you letting us bring it up. And uh, I, you know, as far as like uh, any problems it may have caused you without getting into it, sorry about that. Um, you know, but it to to me and my mom, you know, we're definitely going to exploit the whole issues with uh, serial killers and. Things like that. We're getting ready to do a serial killer episode, which ironically will be episode two thirteen <laughs> ah. coming up here. So we're episode. Uh, this is episode two eleven, which comes out to uh, thirteen. No, I was <laughs> um, give me what? Oh, uh, what? <laughs> we'll be right back. And brought to you by Push Button Lilt, the foam home permanent for neat and easy curler permanents and neat and easy roller permanents too. Lilt. I now present to you Jeff. Jeffrey. For this, I'm Jeffrey. Okay. Then I present to you Jeffrey Dahmer in his command performance. Wait, Tom. Dumbass. I wish I had a best friend. Jeff's a little off, you know. I think he's kind of hilarious. Hey, Jeff, do you want to come sit at our table? I think we should form a fan club. With you as our fearless leader, we can really disrupt this school. Everybody ready? been difficult with your mother so I moved into a motel take a deep breath are you okay hey Dahmer what's in the bag you seem healthy to me what about what's on a patient's mind about Jeff. What is this? You don't uh, know about the kids because you're not at home anymore. You want to talk to somebody about it? I see things in you that I don't like about myself. I want you to have friends in ways that I never could. I thought you stopped. Darn always told me what to do, just like you, just like you. I like bones. It interests me what's inside. God, Dahmer, you are such a freak. He's not a sideshow attraction. We're just having fun, you know? Get out of your shell. You need to be more normal. I'm just like anybody else. Now return, dude. Oh, dear. <laughs> um, no, but uh, mom, mom had. Uh, did you still want to ask him about that? Because he said he was okay with you asking him some questions about it, mom. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mom, you what? got. 
did you <laughs> did you want to ask Jim any questions about uh, his uncle while we had him? Have you been listening? I don't. Um, <laughs> no, I don't want to get him in any more trouble. <laughs> All right, well, there's plenty of other serial killers we can talk about. <laughs> uh that's fine. Oh. It's up to it's up to. I just you know I thought you might want to talk to him about that, but hey, you know I ain't pushing nothing, you know. So hey, we'll just let it we'll yeah. let it go. And I just wanted to say <laughs> that I, we were sorry for causing you any problems, Jimmy. Yeah. No, no, I think he might want to say he's more than welcome to say. Yeah, no, it's it's fine. It's just it's one of those where because it hits close to home, um, there's there's elements of you know, of my uncle in law, Harvey the Hammer Kerrigan, that is uh uh tied up with my part of my family back in Minnesota. So, you know, they don't wanna be brought into it. And that's, and that's where it's been kind of a difficult thing, because I've been corresponding with Harvey for about, you know, seven years now. Um, and, uh, you know, and it's, you know, I in no way ever want to glorify anything that he may have done or not done or anything. Totally. Um, but, like, we're, we're, like, we're talking, like, you know, it's, I'm interested. And this is somebody that's in right. my family. I've heard stories about him from family members. So I wanted to hear from him. As a okay, perspective, yeah. as that perspective from as, coming from that yeah, exactly. angle, yeah. Is, this guy, this guy's ninety six years old. Mm. He's still serving multiple life sentences. So, and he was just denied parole, um, a, and given an, another ten years. So now he's not even eligible for parole until one hundred and five years old. So, like, he's never getting out, and he could drop at any time. So it was like, I'm not going to regret not asking the questions I've wanted to ask since I first found out about him when I was 18 years old, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and it's been, it's been, you know, it's been very enlightening and, um, you know, and I don't know, I don't know what he's done for sure, what he hasn't done. There's certain things that he's denied that he's done. Um, and you know, uh, that things were just pinned on him. Um, because well, he's like We'll see the kind of journal or notebook that he leaves you when he goes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And there's, 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 there's like, in particular, one major unsolved crime in Minnesota's history. And there's a lot of people, including some family members, that believe he was behind it. And he sort of admitted in a letter that he may have had something to do with it, but then covered his tracks in the next letter and kind of went back on it. So it's, it's hard to say. I mean, he also said that he, he taught uh, Chuck Berry how to play, um, how to play guitar in prison. Wow. He's been in prison since the early fifties off and on. And then finally got busted for as a serial killer in like, I think 73, um, which, and he's been in prison ever since then. But I mean, this guy served, I mean, he served 10 years in Alcatraz. With like famous gangsters, he served time with Charles Manson way back before the Manson murders, and uh, and because of his time with Manson, he completely doesn't believe that Manson was the uh, killer. There was even the mastermind. He was like he was an idiot clown. He just liked the spotlight, so he took the fall, and he believes that it was Tex Watson that really did the mastermind of uh, of that family. Um, so there's a lot of interesting perspectives. He even had a brush with Prince. Back when Prince was a kid in Minneapolis, 
Oh, no shit. Um, in the early 70s. He would help, according to Harvey, he helped Prince get into un, uh, the, uh, um, uh, clubs when he was too young to even get into clubs. So he could be like playing in bands and stuff like that. Um, so, like, it's, it's fascinating. I don't know if he's, if he's really done these things, even because he used to be hopped up on steroids through those through that period and was a giant, like, scary, scary, strong guy. Wow. Um, even claims at one point that he, uh, he was being chased by the cops in Seattle, and he pulled down a side road and got out of his car and picked up a truck by the back end and moved the whole truck sideways. Blocking the uh, the cops from catching him, and then was able to take off. But due to steroids, he was able to actually pick up a truck. I don't know. This could all be crazy bullshit. But it, he certainly seems to believe it. So, you know, who knows? You know, I I think I, we had talked about some of this stuff on that previous episode, specifically about the moving of the truck or the yep him moving that vehicle, man. Uh, that totally is some gamma radiated uh, shit. <laughs> you know, <laughs> maybe that's part of what Toxie is modeled on. <laughs> <laughs> well, Toxic Avengers a good guy for the record. We'll get it. <laughs> he's, a, he's on another. He's on a whole He's a yeah. He's a totally different uh, animal, mom. But no, in re, in the real life though, you know, and uh, what was did they call him the Wanad Killer, or what was it? Yeah, the, another. Yeah, another one of his uh, monikers was uh, the Wanad Killer. In fact, uh, um, uh, a true crime journalist wrote a whole book about him that you can actually still get called the Wanad Killer. Um, called that because he would um, he, he owned a couple gas stations and he would place Wanads back in those days looking for a gas station attendant. And he would only, basically, he would only respond to the ones that sounded young and female that would call. And then he would tell them to like meet in the parking lot because it was hard to give them directions. And you know, this is early '70s, so like people weren't weren't as scared of strangers as they are now, obviously. No, so, like, we hitchhiked around the country and stuff. Yeah, exactly. People were hitchhiking. I mean, the whole thing. You know, it was a, it was a very different time. So he would take these women, and uh, and then he would try to drive somewhere else. Um, usually like a cornfield or something like that. And then um, if uh, things would get heated and he would try something on them, try to get sexual favors, you know, whatever. And then as soon as they would deny them, uh, he would uh, he would explode and uh, in a violent rage and uh, cave their heads in with the hammer. Hence the name Harvey the Hammer. Oof. So it's, uh, yeah, it's a very, very, very fucked up history. Um and, uh, you know, he's accused of many. He's only claiming to do, like, two. Um, so it's, it's, who knows? But, you know, two, two, is, two is enough, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> no, man. Uh, that's, that's extreme. That's, like, Dahmer extreme, right? Like, we're talking up there in the, you know, yeah. it's not just this one or two incidents. No, it's... A lot. It's multiple. Yeah, it's involved in something that's psychotic rage. It does make yeah, you like exactly. to have to take a breath for a minute and be like, "Good God," <laughs> you know, like yeah. That's the thing. There's no, there's no easy way to to break 
it or break. And then, but then I get letters from this guy, like a nice, loving old uncle. And it's just like, wait, I have to put into context who you are and what you've done. Because it can, you could very easily become blinded by somebody that seems like somebody else. You know? Yeah, and he's he sounds loving, and he and he sounds like this, like a uh, you know, guy who would never do that. I'm assuming when you when you talk to him, you know, and yeah, no, totally, you would think. But then also, he's still he's still like he's 96 years old, but he's still like a badass in prison. He'll be going to like the food line in his wheelchair. And he got he got cut off of and put into solitary like last year because another guy in a wheelchair tried to cut him off in the food line and he punched the guy in the face. <laughs> you know? Wow. So he's still he's still like he can still kinda kick ass, it sounds like. So when people are like, Oh, he's too old to do that kind of stuff, you're like, Bullshit. Bullshit, like the guy can still he still has a little fire in him, I can tell. He's got it. Yeah, he's still he's gonna Go out with that fire in him. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's, uh, you know, um, I've, I've asked him, you know, if uh, you want to set the record straight or anything, if, if you ever wanted to do a, whatever, it's a documentary or, or whatever, a biopic, um, or is there any kind of, you know, your side of the story you'd ever want to get out? And he's just not, he's just not interested. He's not interested, and that, that prison in particular will not allow any kind of like interview process or, or any kind of cameras in there or anything like that. So it's, it's a, you know, I don't know where the whole thing will go. I, I feel like there's a story there somewhere. Yeah, um, absolutely. Without, without, without exploiting it, you know, or, or you know, um, anything along those lines. Um, but again, if the, the more I go out in the public with this kind of stuff, the interesting aspect of it is my connections, family-wise and everything. So then my family gets drug into it, and I don't want to hurt them either. So that's where that's why this thing is a very slow process, you know. You feel like at some point uh, after he's passed, the people have passed. Yeah. Yeah, I think directly or indirectly involved, he'll be able to put out a book. That's what I feel yeah, like, no, you I, know, you're going to be the archivist I, on this, on this, uh, I, what happened, you, you know? know. Honestly, I, honestly, I think, I think that's where all this is headed. After a certain, after a few certain people aren't around anymore, um, I would feel more comfortable doing something like that. It's, it's kind of like, um, did you ever see my friend Dahmer? Uh-uh. Uh, I don't know if I did or not, actually. I don't know. I've seen a couple of episodes. Well, no, this, this is a movie. This is a, uh, this is a feature film based on the graphic. There, so there was, a, there was a comic book, a graphic novel called My Friend Dahmer. And it was, about the, it was about this kid that was kind of, he and his, uh, his buddies were sort of friends with Jeffrey Dahmer in high school for like a short period, for like a few months. And where they kind of let him into the into their group until they started to realize you're fucking weird, you're too weird for us, and they kind of like ghosted him. And then all cut, you know, all of a sudden, like fast forward, you know, fifteen years or whatever, Jeffrey Dahmer becomes who Jeffrey Dahmer is, and this kid is like, holy shit, that's the kid that I wrote a comic book about when I was a teenager, make kind of making fun of him and how awkward he is. And he wrote a comic book called My Friend Dahmer. And then he went and got it published into a graphic novel. And then 
they about probably about three four years ago they made a movie about it and the movie's fascinating it's really really well done it's about Dahmer in his teenage years with these kids huh I think I did see like something but I I, I can't really say that I saw the whole thing but I I, okay. I do want to go back and check it out now and there's a few things you've brought up man I'm like damn dude <laughs> Yeah, no, it, it really puts into context, like, some of the warning signs. Like, if you have a kid like this, or this, or yeah. this, this guy's your brother, or your son, or whatever, like, like warning signs. Like, okay, this bad. Yeah, this kid isn't just weird. There's something potentially dangerous going on here, you know? Yep. You gotta be, uh... Weary, you know, I mean, obviously it's, it's like we're, nobody's on a witch hunt, but when you see obvious signs, man, you know, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, my, my kid is a little too obsessed with playing with dead animals, shit like that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's a shame, but it does happen in the psyche and there's like these, I don't know what it is and what the whole process is. Cause when you talk about someone like Dahmer, it's hard to like pin. Does he like do the things that he does because it's psychosis, or does he just fucking want to do it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you like like Harvey, for instance. He he had like a, a super hard, abusive um, uh, childhood, like growing up, like physically, sexually uh, abused, mentally abused, everything. So it definitely shaped. The monster he would become, but in the case yeah, of the Roy Rage didn't help. Yeah, exactly. And then that just amps it up. But in the case of Dahmer, you know, his parents, you know, were together. They got divorced when he was 18 years old, but they bickered and everything. But he wasn't abused or anything growing up. He was just, he was kind of just like a fucked up kid. And then the neglect he got from his parents as they would fight each other kind of made it worse. You know? Yeah. Yeah, because they didn't notice what was happening under their very nose. Right, because they were distracted, exactly. Yep, and that's how it usually goes down. That's what the um, whole, like, kind of POV on Columbine was about. And uh, yeah, yep. where I'm at here in uh, Denver, you know, I'm still just, you know, a 20 minute drive from Littleton where that had happened, you know. And uh, I just remember, like, at that point, it was right after the whole serial killer phase in America was like dying out, you know, but there was like right. this whole like hype on serial killers really being popular and really having this kind of fucking prowess where now in, uh, again, cancel culture, it, it, that's not happening. Uh, but that's yeah. Nobody's saying you know uh, any of this stuff that was really going around then. And I remember the special edition cards with uh, exactly. O.J. Yeah. Simpson, uh, the Jean Benet card. Right. There was a you know disturbing shit and Jean Benet like happening again right down the road from here. And uh, one of the guys who actually was accused first was a photographer dude. And uh, give me one second. It's a photographer dude named uh, Stephen Miles. 
who actually was uh, had his character defamated by the National Enquirer and was accused of killing Jean Monnet because of uh, he used to take black and white photos specifically of uh, I was part of all these punk rockers in Boulder, you know, and he would take these black and white photos of some punks nude with like their consent, but you know some of them were underage and uh you know now yeah that would be looked at really fucking hard but at that point when the Jean Benet shit you know it was easy to peg him and uh I feel like some people do get pegged as you know being killers even serial killers and uh you know it happened to Mike Diana no, he was he was pegged as the Gainesville killer. Oh, really? How how did like how did that happen? Just uh, anonymously accused or what? Well, I don't know if you've ever read Boiled Angel. You know, it's fucked. It's fucked up. And me and Mike were when I was earlier on. You know, we were both just doing a lot of dementia, uh, kind of light. You know, kind of shit. Reading uh, Screw and. Uh, yeah you know, magazine and shit like that. And Mike's theory was, Hey, I just want to see him a, a newer form of underground. And, you know, ac- according to the state of Florida, he met standards that had him basically fucking tried and accused like a fucking witch. And, uh, they, they gave him a bunch of fucking penalties. Hey, you guys that, uh, listening to, you can go back and listen to the, uh, the uncensored trial of Mike Diana because it came out on Amazon. Uh, and you know, Neil Gaiman's on there, George Romero before he passed. Uh, A lot of people were in support of Mike, but, uh, and still are. Uh, but you know, uh, the whole thing was how he was tried. He became the first person in American history to have the first amendment overthrew on him. And it's just history, you know? So I had the advantage, you know, because me and Mike been friends since we saw fucking Slayer uh, way back here in Colorado again. It's like 91 or... We were both at the same show, you know, and just kind of like knew each other from that point. And we were doing fucked up comics, you know? And But the, yeah. the he was in Florida. The Gainesville killer was out. And the Gainesville serial killer had fucking taken out a bunch of people, man. And uh, when they, by the time they had brought light to his art, <laughs> which looks like serial killer art, if you, for lack of a better, right. you know, and, and, it, and they it's just, like close yeah, they were like, nope, he made the standards. And so, you know, he did make history. It was femme fatale. They put his ass in prison, fucking illegal, you know, made him wait. All the shit. You can't come near kids under 18 for a thousand feet. You believe that shit, Mom? Remember that? Mom, you asleep? <laughs> I think we lost Mom. Well, <laughs> I still hear you. You, you did lose me for a minute. I was in a drug-induced haze. <laughs> I was like... You we have to have one of those like, uh, bullhorns on standby. I know. I got the Mom horn. <laughs> Mom, we're doing a show. 
Uh, <laughs> Tony, that last bit got me. <laughs> it was a doozy. No, but, uh, you know, we are about ten minutes away from finishing this motherfucker. Can you handle it, Mom Mom? Yeah. All right. Tell those drug-induced hazes to wait a few and you'll be right with them. Yeah. Uh, so I wanted Jim to do, you know, hey, Jim, would you me- what was your favorite underground comics? We never have asked you that, man. Do you have any? Um, I mean, when I was, one of the, I mean, I, I was really into, uh, did you ever read Freaks of the Heartland? Was that a Freak Brother one? No, uh, well, uh, Steve Niles did it, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That, Not that, to be confused that, with Stephen Miles, who I was just talking about in the job today. Freak Brother, Mr. Natural, and Zippy the Pinhead, yeah, it's uh, it's kind of like that, but it's like really dark. It's really dark about like, you know, probably like in the 1920s in like in middle America in farmland. Where oh, like Sin City. Yeah, but all these like farm communities, they're starting to have like like really deformed children, like monstrous deformed children, but they're hiding them like in barns because they're so ashamed. Oh wow! And then eventually, the, the mutant children band together and basically kill any of the abusive parents, and they kind of, like, go out on the road to survive on their own. And uh, it's called Freaks of the Heartland. It's one of those, like, it's one of those properties I would love to turn into a feature film because it's just, it's, it's just beautifully done. The illustrations, you can see, you can see it as a movie, you know? Wow. I love it, man. I think, you know, we just hit the shit alarm. 55. We're at five minutes out. Mom, do you got any, uh, this was supposed to be a 13 episode. It had little or nothing to do. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, I'm still going to call it fear of the number 13 or some bullshit, you know, but. (laughs) With a 13 tattooed on them, which stands for the 13th letter of the alphabet, which happens to be M for marijuana. Ooh. Right. <laughs> factoid. Uh, factoid. You know where I learned about uh, Triskaidekaphobia was off of uh, Star Hustler. You remember that show? What's so great about uh, No. Give me one second. I'll, give me one second. <sighs> I hate commercials. Give me a second. <laughs> So, uh, I was watching Star Hustler with Jack Horkheimer, who was the guy who was the, he was like the, the chief of the Miami Planetarium. And, uh, he, uh, had a little show on PBS. He's like, hi, I'm Jack Horkheimer. And they had the, the Debussy, you know, the classical composer. And I can't remember the name of the song. It's like Alvarisk number one, or I don't know what the fuck. It's a. <laughs> and if you guys know what I'm talking about, you can give me a call here at the show and I'll give you a sound bite. But, uh, no, man. Uh, Jack Horkai. And then they said, well, you can't have Star Hustler. 
you can you have to change the name to Stargazer. So he changed the name of the show to Stargazer. And then it went off eventually, or the guy passed away, I don't know. Uh, but uh, Star Hustler, that Fear of the Number 13 show, ironically is what got him in trouble. And I think he was talking about something in the in the galaxy with the stars and shit. Okay. You know, but I can't even fucking remember now. But, you know... Yeah, that's where I got the fear of the number 13. I was like, hey, you know, but it turns out there ain't too much shit to fucking talk about or you can go on fucking YouTube and... (laughs) You kind of get... Even even the Wikipedia page isn't too long, so... Like, it sounds cool, but then in the end, you know, we spent an hour talking about everything else but, so... (laughs) What do you think about that, Mom? Is my mom there? Is she on a drug-induced... Hey. (laughs) You get that drug-induced haze ending, Mom? It's bending a little bit. <laughs> Jim, it's... I'm trying, to, I'm trying to reach through the bubble. Jim, thank you for... Yes, thank you for putting up with my mom's drug-induced hazes and uh, coming back and joining us. And uh, you're welcome you're back welcome any back. Exactly. Yeah, appreciate it. If, uh, if, if any of your listeners are uh, wrestling fans, um, on uh, AEW Professional Wrestling, we also just did the new mask for Luchasaurus, the uh, dinosaur wrestler. So um, keep an eye out for that. It's pretty cool. Nice, dude. Glad you got that one in. Yeah, my son likes wrestling my other son's foot, so I'll get him to look that one up. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Yep. And if Foot looks it up, you know it's good. Hell yeah. Because he ain't looking at nothing that ain't pretty much. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, thank you for joining the show. And thank you for your support. Jim, keep up the fucking uh, awesome work. Enjoy your October. Monsters do have their place. In the zoo. In your nightmares. In the deep. In your favorite horror movies. in your living room. Come on, Dad. I'm trying to make a good impression. It's a lovely night. Walking in the moonlight is very romantic. Trust me. But, Dad, you promised to let me use the car if I got good grades. Dad, I want to take her to the movies. It'll take an hour to walk there. Then you better get going. And by the way, enjoy the show. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. <laughs> Jim Oldjoy, man. Motherfucker, thank you, dude. That was cool as fuck. As far as the fear of the number 13, what little we did touch on, <laughs> I don't know what to tell motherfuckers, you know? But if it's causing you PTSD, you probably do need to go get some fucking talk doctor. I try to perform a platform here because I don't really know where people can go to get help for that kind of crap anyway. Grandma Gutterpunk, I know you had a good time on this. And I'm glad I could hook you up, Mom. Love ya. <laughs> Fucking Alice Cooper, man. He's back. The man behind the mask. 
<laughs> I remember watching the, the... I couldn't wait to w watch the end of that fucking Friday the 13th Part 4 or whatever this is. Is this the one with Corey Feldman? I think it is. <laughs> and as far as like you sharing the information, Jim, with you about your uncle... I figure at one point, man, you're probably going to have the proprietorial rights over it. And I hope you hire me <laughs> to be on that project. It's been an honor to be, like, you know, able to get that little part of history directly. I can't imagine what it's like to be an elder in that fucking prison hole like that, but... Got to admit, man, you know, if he did what he did, you know, it's life's hard enough. Whoa, shit. Holy shit. Well, my fear is not of the number 13. I actually like the number 13. And I think it's been around for a minute. <laughs> Tomorrow, uh, we go at the, uh, Ouija episode. Ouija board deactivator. If you guys have had any problems with Ouija boards, you need to call me or Grandma Gutterpunk and tell us all about it. We might be able to help out, man. My mom, definitely. So go ahead, you can hit us up at the uh, message end of Anchor or Spotify. And we're getting ready to move to uh, Patreon and Discord. We're going to be leaving Anchor. And we're kind of going to start over, I think, you know. I'm going to leave the Anchor shit alone. So we'll see how far it goes up. <laughs> Call 206-666-5847. You can use my email, adamairwilliams at gmail.com to sell me some money. Jason, I'm talking to you. Oh, I'm not sure I really understood it all. Then let me explain. Some folks have a strange idea entertaining. You've been listening to Adam Air MD, GED. Underground Cartoon Therapy.